0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Acts 20 and 24 says this None of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish, and I want to put the emphasis on my course. He did not say the course. He did not say our course. He said, I've got a course. My course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 through 8. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. I finished my course. I wanna finish strong, don't you? I wanna finish my course and I wanna finish it strong. And so today, for a few minutes, I'm gonna preach on this subject. Have you used your mulligan? Have you used your mulligan? God bless you, you may be seated. Maybe you can remember being in high school, maybe in college, the courses that you had to take and finish with a passing grade before you could move to the next level of skill. But today, I want to use an illustration really from even Forrest Gump. Life is like a golf course. There it is. There's your Forrest Gump. Life is like a golf course. Now, what I want you to do, I'm going to tell you a few things about golf. I am by no means an expert. I am not a good golfer, but I'm going to use this illustration and ask that you would be able to take this and apply it spiritually, okay? Your job is to take what I tell you in the natural and apply it to the spiritual realm. Life is like a golf course. Now, not all golf courses are the same length. Some are shorter golf courses than others. Some are longer golf courses than others. Usually you play on an 18-hole golf course. And you have 72 shots if you want to shoot The object is for you to take this little ball and put it in a cup that is in the ground about this big around. You have to roll it in there. 18 times you put this ball, because there's 18 holes, in a cup. The object is to do it with the minimal amount of hits, which are called strokes. That's the object of the game. The reason that they call par, which means the goal is to get get the ball in the hole in 72 strokes, which is an average of four per hole. Now, some holes will have a par 5, and some will have a par 3, but most holes will be par 4s, and that is the objective, to get it in there. Some courses are more challenging courses. What's your part again? The spiritual. Some courses are more challenging than other courses are. Do you know that the average life, according to the scripture, was to be three score and 10, which would be 70? It's pretty close to par, isn't it? Take a look here at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Now, this course can be different, Difficult. But the scripture says there has never been a temptation taken you such as common to man but God is faithful will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it Some holes may seem to be very very difficult Any of you ever played any of those holes in life Why me? I can't do this, this is beyond my ability, not according to the scripture. God puts you on this course, not my course, your course. Now we've talked about the objective. Now here's another thing that's interesting. This, you are allowed to use many different clubs. This is my prop for today. Brother Cordell, I'm going to pick on Brother Cordell today. Now on your first shot, dear Brother Cordell, please. This is a tee. It's a stick with a little round top so that the ball can sit on it. And Brother Cordell's going to hold the tee. You better stand on this side. <laughs> and what you do... <laughs> See if you can hold that steady for me, okay? There we go. And what you do on your opening shot, this is what's called a driver. It's kind of like a boat oar on a stick. It will be the biggest, fattest club in your bag. And on the opening shot, because it's a long ways to go, you use the biggest and the fattest club. And then what you do, trust me, Brother Cordell, What you do is you take this club and you hit this ball. Now I have seen some extremely strange things happen on a golf course. And if you've ever been on, you may have too. I have seen people use this bodor and completely miss this ball. Here's what you do if it's your opening shot, He's scared. (laughs) If you miss the ball completely, you act like it was a practice swing. (laughs) Oh yeah, okay, now I'm ready. But I've seen it, I've seen it, I've done it. It's possible that you can miss this ball. But you get to hit only on the opening shot of a hole do you get to hit it off of a tee. And what you want to do is you want to hit it as hard as you can. <laughs> you did a great job, brother Cordell. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> You want to hit it as hard and as straight as you can. Now this be- this golf bag has many many different clubs in it. And the reason that it has many different clubs is because the, the distance that you wanna hit the ball is determined by the size of the club that you wanna use. And you have to figure it out as to how far you can hit each club. This is a game of strategy and it's a game of skill. Okay, so for instance, if you're within, within 100 yards of the, of the cup, you may want to use what's called a nine iron, and this nine iron allows you to loft the ball higher. It's not a club used for great distance, but it gets the ball up in the air, and what you want to do when you get to a green is you want to loft the ball up and drop it down so that it doesn't scoot across the green. you got to kind of pitch it up there. Okay. Now, probably the most important club in your bag is this, And this is called a putter. What is amazing about this game of golf, and it depends on how skilled uh, a golfer is, you can use this club and hit a ball 200, maybe close to 300 yards if you're a skilled golfer. Do you realize how far that is? 200 yards, that's 600 feet. 300 yards, that would be 900 feet. 900 feet, some people can hit this club. But this little guy, you can be 12, 15, 6, 4, 2 feet away and miss. Putting the ball in the cup, and it is equal, it's an equal stroke to this one that hit it over 200 yards. And that is the frustrating part of this game. That you could hit a drive between 2 and 300 yards straight as an arrow and then when you get on the green to try and finish you miss a 3-foot putt. And it counts the same as that excellent hit you had once before. And so these clubs you you learn to skillfully use these clubs and what the range is for each of them you can't just walk out one day and rent a set of clubs and go on a golf course and expect that you're going to do anything resembling golf it's going to take practice is anybody preaching with me today you know most golfers they do not if you have a tea time they do not get to the course just a couple minutes before their tee time. Because they gotta get there early and you gotta wear a certain kind of shoe and you've gotta get all your clubs and your hat and everything and you've gotta rent a cart and most golfers will spend time at a driving, they'll go over to this little area over here and they'll hit a half a bucket of golf balls on a driving range. And then when they get done with that, they'll go over here and they'll go to a green and they'll putt for a few minutes. They're warming up before the game begins. Is anybody preaching with me today? Pre-service prayer. Stretching. Making sure that you're ready. Confident about what's going to happen. excuse me, confident about what's going to happen. Boy, I I was on the driving range and I I hit a few good balls. I feel like I'm really going to do well today. I know the speed of the greens because I was on that practice green and and I hit a few balls and now I know that the greens are fast or the greens are slow. It's, It's a warming up and it's a process because this can be an extremely frustrating game. if you can't hit the ball straight or with any distance and authority. So you learn how to use these clubs. Second Timothy 2 and 15 says that we are to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Practice, practice, practice. I'm sorry, Alan Iverson, You were wrong. Practice, practice, practice. And the more you practice, the luckier you get. No, it's not luck. The better you become. And so the more that we get into the word of God, is anybody preaching with me today? The more that we study the word of God, the better we are prepared to teach the word of God, to teach a home Bible study, to teach a Sunday school class. But it takes practice, and, and you've got to have tools to work with, and you've got to know what the game is all about. The game is all about. I should also point out to you that the course that you are on will have hazards. That's what they're called. They are called hazards. And what that means is obstacles, difficulties, problems that you're going to have to overcome. I will mention just a few of them and I will let you preach your own message while I point out the obvious. One of the hazards will be called a sand trap. They call it a sand trap because when you hit the ball in the sand, the ball is trapped in the sand. It could be buried in the sand. You might only see the very top of the ball because you hit it into the sand so hard. It's difficult to hit the ball out of the sand. You don't wanna be in the sand. The wise man built his house upon the, the foolish man built his house in the, you don't wanna be in the sand. Stay out of the sand. There are other traps, how about the woods? You don't wanna be in the woods. Well, Lord, I know you asked me to teach a Sunday school class, and I would, but I know where I should be, but I would rather be somewhere else. You're in the woods. Stay out of the woods. I'm letting you preach this. Are you preaching well this morning? Stay out of the woods. Another place you want to stay out of is the water. I got to tell you a funny story. I, I, the people that I golf with, are they also are not very good golfers. <laughs> and one of my friends who will remain anonymous and does not attend this church he and I were golfing one time, and I, I hit a lousy shot, and it went out of bounds. And he said, oh, that's a penalty. I said, well, I know that, and I know it's a penalty. I also have a, a, a club that I do not keep in this bag that I use periodically, and I've seen others use it too. It's called a foot wedge. If the ball is not in a favorable spot, you might kick it a little bit. That's called a foot wedge. And you're laughing because some of you have used a foot wedge. Oh, this ball looks like it might be in the mud, so you pick it up and put it in a more favorable, that's a hand wedge. So you pick it up and you, is that right, Brother Zelensky? That's a hand wedge. But this brother, that's a penalty, Rick. You've got to take the penalty. I'll take the penalty. Well, on the next hole, it was 40 degrees this day. It was cold. It was cloudy, and it might rain at any time. And we were just trying to get through this course as fast as we could. And after I took my penalty on the next hole, he hit a ball, and the ball went right toward the water and landed right in the mud. Now, we could see the ball. Even from where we were, we could see a little white spot, but it was in the mud and it was at an angle, and I said, ah, brother, that is a penalty. (laughs) Oh, no, it isn't, he said. I'm gonna play the ball. I said, all right. So this ball is really stuck in the mud. And he's standing there at an angle like this and he's going to hit this ball out of the mud. But what happened was he rocked back and lost his weight and fell into the pond. (laughs) He was immersed and he lost his club (laughs) in the filthy pond. I was laughing so hard. Then I was on all fours on the ground. I could not even stand up. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. And when I regained my composure, he came out like this. <laughs> "Get me to the clubhouse. I'm doing my best not to mention his name. <laughs> and I said, sir, I paid for 18 halls. And I am going to golf 18 holes. You better be careful about taking this game too serious and in particular, taking yourself too seriously. We all make mistakes, right? We all make mistakes. So you want to stay out of the water. And you certainly, I have baptized a number of balls. And, and we ain't talking about sprinkling. We're talking about immersion. The kind you don't get back. That's it. I don't even, I'm not going to dig around in the mud for a golf ball in the water and take a chance on falling in like that guy did. That golf ball is not worth it to me. Somebody say amen. Amen. And the last thing you want to stay out of is you want to make sure that you stay out, that you don't go out of bounds. You don't want to go out of bounds because that's a penalty. Is anybody preaching with me? Romans 3 and 23 says, all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6 and 23 says there's a penalty for being out of bounds. It reads this way, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You don't wanna go out of bounds. You know what the boundaries, aren't you thankful for the word of God? that tells of you what the boundaries are. Don't do this and don't do that. Why, why? You're trying, to, you're trying to suffocate my life? You're trying to control me? No, because when you go out of bounds, there are severe penalties to pay. You have to answer for your actions. You have to answer for your actions. Now, I have set the stage so that I can finally tell you what a mulligan is. A mulligan is an Irish term. And it's used amongst friendly golfers. Friendly golfers. Because everybody hits bad shots. And uh, so what we do with the group that I golf with is we have what's called a mulligan. So if you're on a tee box and you hit the ball and it goes way off to the left into the woods, we may say to you, would you like to play your mulligan? And what that means is we're going to act like that never happened. Take a different ball, put it on the tee and hit it again. We're not going to count that as a stroke. It's a free Shot, it's a do-over, it's a second chance. Is there anybody that needs a do-over? Is there anybody that needs a second chance? Is there anybody in the house that needs a mulligan? And we say, one mulligan per nine, one mulligan per nine. And most of the golfers that I golf with Use their mulligans. (laughs) I do. Use your mulligan. Let me read this to you. John chapter 3. Jesus is talking about mulligans. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God born again, born a second time, born with a second chance, born with a do-over, born with a mulligan. And Nicodemus saith unto, I don't get it. How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, let me clarify. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. This is mandatory, this is necessary, because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All, everybody, we don't have anybody that's perfect. The only perfect one is Jesus. And he is the one that purchases our salvation and allows us to be born again of the water and of the spirit. Peter clearly explained what being born of the water and the spirit is when he was asked, what shall we do When they heard this, verse 37 of Acts 2 says, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, we acknowledge we're out of bounds. We acknowledge our sin. We feel conviction. What hope is there for us? Do you hear their desperation here? pricked in their heart. Men and brethren, what shall we do? We've messed up. Then Peter said unto them, repent. Change your course. The direction you're going is wrong. Turn 180 degrees and get back on course stay in the fairway, stay out of the rough, stay out of bounds, don't end up in the sand, end up in the water, end up in the water, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, the mulligan, the remission like it never happened. Try it again, put it back on the tee, hit another ball. You get a freebie this time and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost so you can play better, so you can be empowered. We all need a mulligan. Now please don't misunderstand and think that, you know, Pastor Kylie's saying, well, you know, what he's saying is we all make mistakes. Go ahead and keep making them. Just tell Jesus you're sorry. He'll understand everything's a mulligan. No, no, no. Now, what I didn't tell you about me, even though I'm a lousy golfer, is this. I never intend to hit a bad shot. I never step up to the ball and say, I don't care if I hit a good shot or not. I'm just gonna keep hitting till I get the one I like. I step up there and, I, and I'm focused. I mean, I'm, I'm a competitive person. I'm gonna do my best to hit this ball straight and far. You don't get the opportunity to get a free ticket for sin all of your life. You only get a mulligan when you try and you fail and you repent. Are you hearing me? I didn't mean to hit that ball in the woods. I'll take my mulligan because this time I know what I did wrong and I'm not going to turn the club this way. I'm going to make sure that the face is open so that I can hit it straight. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? It's not carte blanche when it comes to sin. It's a mulligan because you failed and you're willing to try again. You're willing to try again. Sister Kylie, I don't have this in my notes. Would you, would you please put up 1 John chapter 1, 8 through 10? Make sure that you understand the the last point that I made. I, I want you to see this in the scripture. First John chapter one, verse eight. There it is. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse nine. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So, any of you that think that you're perfect, you're not. You're the liar and God is not the liar. You're imperfect. I need God's mercy. Let me, let me give you another definition of mulligan. Mercy and grace. That's what it is. I haven't earned it. I haven't earned a mulligan. But I'm thankful for the mercy and the grace that God gives. All right, I think you've got it. Do you remember a man by the name of King Saul? Saul? I'm keeping track of the time. Do you remember a man by the name of King Saul? Go and destroy all the Amalekites, wipe them out, genocide them, and kill all their animals too. Everything is to be genocide. And he came back and Samuel said, you didn't do what the Lord told you to do. I hear the bleeding of sheep, what's this king doing here? Well, the people, the people, the people. He made excuses. He didn't accept responsibility for his actions. And then Samuel said to him, well, does the Lord have as great delight in burnt offerings as in obeying the Lord's voice? This is where Saul missed his mulligan. The fact of the matter is, this is the man of God saying this to Saul, the fact of the matter is you didn't obey. That's the bottom line. Don't give me any excuses. You were told what to do. You didn't do it. You didn't obey. Here's Saul's opportunity at a mulligan. Samuel, you're right. Let me draw my sword. Agag, whack. Whack his head off right there in the courtroom. Go outside. And by the way, Samuel, when I leave this room, I'm going into the stockyard and I'm going to kill every one of those animals that we brought back. I know now that I did the wrong thing. I didn't obey God's voice. I'm going to take my mulligan by obeying God. But he didn't do it. And because he didn't do it, he was rejected. I don't want to be rejected. Why don't we just fess up when we disobey or we do wrong or we hit a bad shot and call out for a mulligan and try again? How about Saul? Saul of Tarsus this time, not King Saul, Saul of Tarsus, the great persecutor of the church, the one that's having them thrown into prisons. One day he's walking down the road. And the Lord causes a bright light to shine in his eyes and knocks him down on the ground. And he says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? He didn't say my people. Why are you persecuting me? And I've been trying to steer you in a different course. It is hard for you to kick against the stick with the pin on it that's called a prick. It's hard for you to kick against a prick. You've been fighting me all along. Will you get on course? Will you go to this house and I'll send a man and he'll tell you what to do? And you know what Saul said? Yes, sir, I'll take my mulligan the greatest, the worst guy I think that God could find. And he gives him a mulligan. And he's the greatest apostle that the Gentiles ever knew. He wrote over half of the New Testament, 14 out of 27. Why? Because God gave him a mulligan and because he took it, he took his mulligan. And lastly, What about the great king, perhaps the greatest king that Israel ever had? What about King David? What about the time that that he stole another man's wife and committed adultery with her, and then had him killed? So now he's got the sin of adultery and he's got the sin of murder and he acts like it doesn't happen until the man of God named Nathan comes to his house and tells him a little story about a man misusing another man's sheep. A little lamb and that's all he's got. And David becomes so infuriated that he says, it will be restored fourfold and this man must die. And Nathan points his finger at him and says, you're the man. What happens next? I'll take my mulligan. You want to see David's mulligan? How David uses his mulligan? Watch this. This is found in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God. 51 and one, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done evil in this sight that you may be justified when you speak and clear when you judge. I was even shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. And behold, I know you desire truth in the inward parts and the hidden part. Thou wilt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be white than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones that you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And cast me not from thy presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. And restore unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with thy thy free spirit. And then I will teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted to thee. You want to know how to use a mulligan? There it is. That's how you use a mulligan. Let's stand together. Is there anybody here that needs a mulligan today? Peter? I could go on and on and on about Peter. One minute he has this great revelation. The next minute he says, Well, they're never going to be able to do that to you, Jesus. I'll protect you. And Jesus said, Get behind me, Satan. Wait a minute. You're the one that's got the keys. Guess you need another mulligan, don't you, Peter? Deny me three times? I got a mulligan for that. I don't know how many mulligans we get. As long as we're willing to repent and get back up and try again. Hallelujah. Try again. Let's hit it again. <clears throat> I want to leave you with this story, true story. Elevated tea box. Tea box is way up in the air, beautiful view. You hit the ball off of the tee, and it flies through the air and comes down onto a beautiful green. It's the signature hole on this golf course. But if you don't hit it far enough, it lands in the water because there's a big body of water between the tee box and the green. True story now. So, this man very confidently stands and hits the ball right into the water. Oh! Puts another ball on there. For the sake of time, he hits six golf balls into the same pond. And after the sixth time of putting the ball in the water, he was so frustrated that he grabbed his bag of clubs and threw them off of the tee box into the pond and walked back to his car. Ten minutes later, same man came back and walked toward the pond. Somebody else said, what are you doing? He said, I left my car keys in my golf bag. I fought a good fight. I finished my course, not your course. I kept the faith. There it is, three things. Fought, finished, and kept. Jesus, I pray today for people that are here that are feeling condemnation rather than conviction. I pray that your conviction will prick our hearts and bring us to an altar where we will cry out for your mercy and your grace and for a mulligan. Help us, Lord, to repent of what we've done wrong and learn from our mistakes and accept the mercy and the grace and the instruction that you give us to help us to be better at life. And whatever our course is, help us not to compare ourselves among ourselves. And no matter what the length of the course is, 72, 82, 92, 102 years, or substantially less,